We've been on a series called Frequency, and it's really about tuning in to hear God's voice. How do we do this? God is speaking on a frequency, and we're tuning in, and we're learning how he speaks, and we're just talking about this idea for several weeks, and I think it's a pivotal series for us as a church. I think it's pivotal for every Christian, every person who follows Jesus to learn how to hear the voice of the Spirit. And the premise we're working with is we, God is a speaking God. He's been speaking all throughout her human history. And, uh, and, and, and as he speaks, we learn how to hear him, and it's a process of learning. You grow in this process, and l- if you've missed any of the uh, parts of the series, you can go back and listen to it online. Last week, two weeks ago actually, we spoke of, of this idea, probably the most common way that we hear God's voice, and it is the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in a person, when they're born again, as Jesus described it, born of the Spirit, they're, they're born in the, in the image and likeness of Jesus, and, and they be, they're a new creation, and they begin to hear the work of the Spirit. They begin to listen to the voice of God's Spirit. And so, and so we talked about the inward witness and, the, and the, the secret to this. We talked about how uh, the Apostle Paul tried to go to six different cities, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him. And he had to keep moving, and he had to keep figuring out what, what the next place is. And the, the idea of that message was really that the best way we hear God's voice is we move with him in what he's already said, and we move towards him in his purpose. And uh, I quoted my dad, uh, who said to me when I was a teenager, it's really hard to drive a parked car. Profound wisdom from the Parsley family. It's, it's, a, it's a saying that helps us understand, yeah, it's really hard to turn those wheels when you're parked. You gotta, if you move, though, it's a lot easier to turn. It's a lot easier for God to steer us if we'll move with him. And so moving was the secret to last week's uh, discussion. And so this week, we're going to talk about another aspect of this internal idea. We're going to talk about the inner voice of God, the, inward, the inner voice of God. And, and this would be similar to what we, what we would see in the scriptures as the audible voice of God. It has real similarities. And so we're going to look at a few passages of scripture. Let's start in 1 Kings 19, verse 11. 1 Kings 19, verse 11, it's there in your message notes. It says, then God told Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. The inner voice we're talking about today is the still, small voice. It's the still and small voice that we hear, and it's not a voice necessarily we hear with our physical ears. It's a voice we hear deep inside of our hearts, deep in our spirit. God speaks to us this way, and I think we can see it in the scriptures as a as he spoke to people with an audible voice, he also spoke to them with an inner voice. And we're going to read a story about that. A couple weeks ago, I talked about how everybody has a conscience. It's amazing how people want to do the right thing. They want to, 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 to do things that will be helpful. They, they have a 
their own certain morality, if and even, even if it doesn't come from God himself, and they sort of evaluate what's right and wrong, and they're trying to figure it out. And what happens when you accept Christ into your life, what happens when you surrender your life to Jesus is that conscience kind of gets supercharged, and he begins to speak to you about what is right and what is wrong. And you're no longer in the position of being judge and jury. Now you let him decide those things, and you just follow after him and you and he directs you to what is right and what is wrong and it's really a powerful idea and so we're going to talk about this this morning with a story about the apostle peter the apostle peter acts chapter 10 verse 1 acts 10 1 if you're there in your in your scriptures we'll we'll read it together it says there was a certain man in caesarea called cornelius a centurion of what was called the italian regiment a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. And the ninth, about the ninth hour of the day, that's about three o'clock in the afternoon, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Now here it is. We talked about this in the last few weeks. There, God has done this in the scriptures and he does it actually here today. It's well documented all across the Middle East Jesus is appearing to people in dreams. Angels are appearing to people. It's pretty amazing how many ways God will speak to us and reveal himself to us. Here's verse four. It says, and when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. So you see this story, all right? Here's a Roman centurion. And he lives several miles north of Joppa, and he's a Gentile. He's a, not a Jewish man in, in these days from this scriptural uh, perspective. There were Jewish people and then everybody else. He's a Gentile. And so he's, he's not Jewish. He's, he's over, over the years, he's had contact, though, with God's people, with the Jewish people. And as he's had contact with them, he has started to serve God. He started to recognize the God of Israel as the one true God. And so he knows this, but he, but he doesn't quite understand anything about Jesus. He's never heard of Jesus yet. He doesn't quite understand about salvation. He's not, he doesn't really, hasn't had anybody talk to him about being born again. And so he doesn't quite know how it all works together. He's trying to figure it out. It's like a lot of people that you and I know like a lot of us sitting right here, just trying to figure out how it works. And so an angel appears to him and, and tells him where he could find a man to tell him how this works. So the Roman centurion sends his servants where the angel had directed him. We pick up the story in verse nine. It says, the next day as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, about noon. And then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Have you ever been really hungry and fallen into a trance? <laughs> I, so this, this idea that Peter was hungry 
And then what's coming next in the trance is really interesting. Because I think most of the time God speaks to us with a personal bent. Like he's using the circumstance of what's going on around you. Peter's so hungry, <laughs> he falls into a trance. And in it, all right, in this trance, he says, and it's and in verse 11, and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners. So folded at the four corners, held in like four, four parts, and it's coming down from heaven. He says, he says, descending to him and let down to the earth. Verse 12 says, in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Every hunter said, amen. Yeah. <laughs> all the vegans say, oh no. <laughs> he, says, he says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And so here's Peter just minding his own business. He's resting on the deck in the middle of the day. All of a sudden, he has a vision. It just pops open to him. And he sees all these different kinds of animals, and some of them are kosher. Some of them are not. Some of them are appropriate to eat, and some are not, according to the law. And he hears this voice, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And look at Peter's response. Verse 14, he says, but Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Peter argues with God. He hears the voice and he says, nah, -uh, uh, uh, this can't be right. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. What God is saying, don't call it common or unclean. And verse 16 says, there, this was done three times. So Peter's arguing back and forth with God three times. And the object was taken up into heaven again. So the vision just disappears. See, Peter recognizes the voice as the voice of God because he, he responds, not so, Lord. And so what's happening here is Peter is hearing this audible voice from God, which is similar to the inner voice. And so as we look at, as we look at this story, I want to point out a few things. All right, number one. When you hear an inner voice from God, or an audible voice, you may not get a lot of details. The first, the first idea is, we may not get a lot of details. Verse 13 says, rise Peter, kill and eat. Verse 15 says, what God has cleansed you must not call common. Not much here, <laughs> not much information. He says, I want you to rise and I want you to kill and I want you to eat. Now, I think God, does this, especially when, there's, when he's trying to do something new in you or me. When he's trying to do something new, he's not going to give you all the details. He's not going to give you every part of his plan. Now, I, I mean, as, as a man, I would like for God to just write it all down, give me the plan. I'm a great enforcer of the plan. I can, like, I can work the plan. All this stuff where you give me a big idea and I have to lean and rely on you and trust you and all that stuff, I'm not so good at that. But I think, I think what God always does is he gives a big idea. And I think, here's the problem. I think there's, if, if he gives us every detail, if he showed us everything that was coming, every part of his purpose, every part of his plan, you and I will have one of two responses, right? The first response is, 
too big. It's too big. It's too much. I can't do it. It's impossible. I can't make it happen. There's no way I could do that. And then we give up. The second is we, he shows us every part of his purpose, every part of his plan. He shows us everything, and we see it, and then we're like, oh, that sounds really hard. I don't know if I want to go through all that. Right? Everything fulfilling, everything powerful in life has some real challenges to it. It's difficult. We would see the difficulties and back away. So God, I think in his wisdom, he gives us an instruction and listening to God's voice is really at the end of the day, it is still about faith and following. It's believing in what he's saying and then following him. If you just take a a brief, just kind of little jaunt through the scriptures, you'll find that Noah had to build a boat for something called rain (laughs) that was coming. Abraham, you know what he was told? He was was told by God, get up and go to a place that I'll tell you about. (laughs) Go to a place that I'll show you. Well, can I know where it is? No, just get up and start moving. I'll show you. If you think about Moses, Moses was told at the burning bush, I want you to be the deliverer of of my people. (laughs) Moses said, I'm a stutterer. I can't do this. He's, but God didn't tell him all about the 10 plagues he'd have to endure. He didn't tell him about the back and forth with Pharaoh. He just said, you're the deliverer. It's actually interesting. David, who's a famous biblical character, was anointed as king by Samuel. But Samuel didn't tell him it would be several years, and he would run around the caves, hiding from the king, King Saul, who was trying to kill him. Didn't give him any of that info. He just gave him a promise. Happens over and over again in the scriptures. God in his wisdom gives us just enough to put faith in him. Gives us just enough to start following him. And that's, I think, his wisdom. All through the scripture we see the people of God having to listen and follow by faith. Peter himself, who's in this story, right? He, he, he thought at one point that Jesus was going to be sitting on a throne in Rome, right? <laughs> and that, that he'd be there hanging out with him to his right or left or maybe one more down <laughs> after James and John who would have their own thrones and they were going to conquer the Roman Empire and that was how Jesus was going to become king. He didn't quite get it. Jesus told the disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit. They had no idea what was going to happen until Acts chapter 2 happened. And the Holy Spirit came on them with power. Here's an encouraging verse that I want you to see. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Everybody say more. More than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. I want you to see that. It's not your power. It's his power working within you. His power begins to work in you. And he has immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Right? So just trust him that that's true and then begin to follow him. Number two, when, when this inner voice speaks, the second thing we need to understand is we need to listen for the greater purpose. Listen for the greater purpose. Now look at how Peter evaluates this. When the voice says, rise Peter, kill and eat, Peter immediately says, verse 14, 
Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. But Peter's mistake was trying to understand it based on just the face value. There was something deeper. He thought God was dealing with eating these different kinds of animals. But I want to I want to tell you in this story, God wasn't interested in Peter's diet. That's not Now God can be interested in our diets. I think we all ought to be, um, you know, good stewards of this body, this temple. We ought to eat well. But this is not what God was after when he spoke to Peter right here. There was a much bigger issue that God was dealing with. A lot of times it seems puzzling. This audible voice, this inner voice, it's only a piece of the whole puzzle but God, that God's revealing to you. And you'll, you'll say to yourself, oh, I can't do that. I don't, I don't know if I can do that. Or, or I can't. Or I, that seems like it's not even, is that right? Is this right? Is this is this scriptural? By the way, that's the right first question. Is this scriptural? Is this something that's in the Bible? I, I think Peter's response, we shouldn't be too hard on him. I think that's the right response. So many people, they go around and they, they, they say, God told me this and God told me that. I think we have to measure we have to understand that the Bible is our standard. It is the precedent center, setter. So, but here's the thing. I think it's why we have to study the Bible. It's why we have to picture the entire story of the scriptures, the history of God's interaction with man to understand what the Bible says. One of the things that we're doing this year is we're reading the Bible through in 2017. If you've fallen off the wagon, you should join us. Don't, don't try to go back and get everything we've already been through. We've already been through Leviticus. You got to skip it this year. Start. <laughs> st <laughs> What's the, what, there's, there's, oh, we started a new one this morning. Does anybody know? First Samuel. And there's a video that goes with First Samuel. And you can start today and watch this video. And the reason I'm highlighting this for you is because I think the Bible Project, which is the plan we're following, does an incredible job of giving us an overview of the story of God and how everything points to Jesus. And so I, I think we have to study, I think we have to read it, we have to become familiar with it, all right? Because on the face of it, you might think, well, God told Peter to do something that was against the law. So I just want to stop here and give you a little history lesson, all right? Can you go with me? All right? Don't let your eyes glaze over. To really understand, if you have to understand the amazing miracle of what Jesus had come to do, that the New Testament or the new covenant that God was making with humanity was way better than the old covenant. You have to understand the miracle of what was happening here. So the Old Testament law, let's just a real quick listen. There were three parts to the Old Testament law. There was a civil law that was about people and how they treated one another social interactions, kind of social contract as a group of people. This actually expired with the demise of the Jewish civil government. There is no, there, it doesn't exist that way anymore. The, number two is ceremonial law. Ceremonial law was the idea of purity. What makes a person pure and impure? I love how the Bible Project describes it. Purity or impurity wasn't necessarily sinful. There was just a specific way you were supposed to deal with impurity. Okay, if you come in contact with a dead body, you, just, you had to be away from people for seven days. You, there, was, there was these purification kind of rituals. You, you were never supposed to go towards a leper. Jesus broke a bunch of these ceremonial laws. He went up to lepers and touched them and healed them. 
He interacted with them. And so it's here in these ceremonial laws, laws about animals for food and sacrifices and things like this. This also expires. It expired with Jesus and his priestly role with humanity. The Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the laws of, that, that pertain to priests and sacrifices is fulfilled by Jesus himself. He becomes the sacrificial lamb for all humanity. He becomes the one. His death takes our place. His blood spilled for our sins. We're washed away. That's what the New Testament is all about. That's the good news. So then three is the moral law. The moral law never expires because it reflects, it's based on God's character. Leviticus 19.2 says, you, sh you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. God's interested in making us set apart with him, for him, involved with him. And the way he does that is different in the New Testament than in the Old Testament. Today, we have what's called the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ himself, that he came to bridge the chasm between us and God, that he was the one who brought us into the holy of holies, right where God is. That's a, that's a picture of the temple, Old Testament temple. But now there's a new holy of holies. It's the Holy Spirit. He comes to dwell in you as a temple. You get to interact with God on a personal basis. This is the good news. And so you got to understand that the new covenant is so much better than the old. And so what the question then is, what was what was God's voice trying to get Peter to do? He was trying to get him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. He was trying to get him to preach the gospel to somebody other than Jewish people. Now, does that agree with God's word? You go all the way back to Abrahamic covenant, and God told Abraham he was going to bless him. He was going to send blessing through his family line, and he was going to do it for a reason. You know what the reason is? to be a blessing to all nations. Jesus himself said these words. He said as much. Peter heard Jesus say this. Look at Mark 16, 15. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, Peter was one of those guys who heard Jesus say this, but he couldn't quite wrap his brain around it. In his mind, what he heard was, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every Jew. That's what he heard. That was his context. That was his only way like, of hearing it. And they, would have, they, they were traveling to diff, distant cities to preach, and they would go. Where would they go? They'd go to the synagogues. That's where the Jewish people are. Let's go to tell the Jewish people about Jesus. And they would teach the Jewish people about him. But that's as far as it went. They didn't teach the Gentiles. Nobody believed yet that the Gentiles could actually be saved or could come to salvation. God's great purpose was to fill the whole world with his love. And he wanted all of mankind to experience his salvation. That's what he was doing in Christ. So Matthew 28, 19 says, Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You know what the word nations means? It's, it's ethnos is the, is the actual original word and it means ethnic groups. Go into all the world and make disciples of all ethnic groups. No matter what their culture, no matter what their practices, teach them about Jesus. And so Jesus was saying this, it should have been enough for Peter to know that, that the Gentiles, that God wanted them to, to experience the work of God, but what Peter had heard was filtered through his biases. 
through his own prejudices. And his conclusion actually ended up being contrary to the word of God. So if an inner voice, if you hear this inner voice, and and you have to check it with what the scripture has said, it has to 100% be what God has written in his word, because as human beings, we can easily misinterpret what God is saying. We need others to help us interpret from time to time. We can create these skewed ideas of what we think God is saying. We can have these preconceived ideas and biases and how we think God is supposed to do something. Look, look, all the big cookies are on the bottom shelf. Okay, you can read the Bible for yourself, but reading it, become familiar with it, and then talking about it with other people is one of the primary ways that anybody grows spiritually because they get to see it from God's perspective, not just their limited, myopic point of view. So, number three. The third idea on this inner voice is we don't necessarily hear it every day. When you look at the scriptures, God didn't speak through an audible voice or, a, or an inner voice very often. Which means anytime you hear somebody saying, they hear God's voice all the time, you should just be careful. Um, just, just people say, who say they hear God's voice all the time, that's not necessarily a credit to them. Here's why. Now, God's purpose for us is that we will grow up and become mature. He wants us to grow in him. He wants us to accept his ways, his values, what he's trying to communicate to us. He wants us to live it out with him, no doubt. But I think sometimes I just, I, I want to picture God as this father who's trying to train his kids. Yesterday I was doing yard work. And I mean, we were doing stuff. I mean, it, there was mud. There was, I mean, it, there was all, all kinds of projects all over. Darren Green, who's my brother-in-law, he came over and helped. And, and so we got things buzzing and lawnmowers going and we're got, we're, people are shoveling and, and I'm putting my kids on all these different jobs. And so I've got my two little guys and their cousin Judah. And so the, I, I, I give them a job. I say, okay, here you guys. There was, a big, there was a big thing that they had to empty out. It was full of mud, full of water. I said, figure out a way to get that behind the shed. <laughs> So they had to move it, and it was so heavy they couldn't do it. So I said, you got to cut it open. you got to dump some of the mud out. you got to take it bucket by bucket. All right, let's go do that. All right, so I come back about, I don't know, 30 minutes later. The thing split open. It's like everywhere. There's no mud behind the shed, and they're out riding bikes. <laughs> what, what happened? So all day I feel like this, like we were cleaning out the garage as part of it. And so we're cleaning, I'm like, come on guys, let's go, let's go. We're moving stuff, there's music playing, it's all good. And then suddenly they'll start playing with something they found. Oh, look at this, this is awesome. They found a huge flag, they're out in the driveway. I'm like, what is wrong? I'm like, hey, 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 put that down, put that down, come up here. This is what I told you to do, look. And so finally, it happened all day long. Finally, I remember I was not the perfect parent yesterday. God is the perfect parent, I am not. So I, so I was yelling at him all day, and finally I just came down to it. I said, look, you guys, this is what I'm trying to teach you, and I just gave him a little lesson. I said, first of all, if you work, you gotta work hard, which means you gotta do a good job. Work hard. Do it really well. Don't, don't, don't be sloppy. Everyone will evaluate you the rest of your life on whether you're sloppy or whether you're willing to do good work. 
And then finally, you gotta finish the job. Finish the job. And, I, and so I'm training them and teaching them. Do you know how much energy I had to expend to get those boys, 10, 11, and 12, to get all that done? I think this is how God is sometimes with all his little kids, right? But what he wants is for them to grow up and own the values that he's teaching us. And, and I've got older kids now. I've got a married child. My communication with him has not stopped, but it has changed. If I try to do to my oldest child with his life and what's going on, the same things I did to my 10, 11, and 12-year-old, I will alienate him, right? I, I don't do that to him. I, I, I call him on the phone. I say, how are things going? And, and I wait for him to ask my advice. <laughs> One of the hardest things that parents do is let their kids become their friends, become peers. It's really, it's tough. And so, and so God's communication with us, I think, goes through a, a metamorphosis over time. And, and I don't know if you were, you know, your dad may have said something to you or your mom used to say something to you. And years later, it'll kind of like, oh, that's what she was talking about. Have you ever had that happen? I, I've had that happen. And, and, that's, and that's like, like this maturity has happened and finally you're like, oh, yeah. She used to say this to me all the time, but now I really understand it. And you kind of, it's interesting, you kind of hear it again on the inside. I think God's voice, what he wants is a resonating voice that we continue to hear as we get more and more mature. He's spoken it, and now we hear him say it again. Like, I, I know my kids are going to grow up, and they'll do their lawn, and they'll, they'll be at their house. They're mowing their lawn. It's clean. It's green. It's clean. It's neat. And they'll be like, yeah, man, I wish my dad was here to see this. He'd be so proud of me. <laughs> Right? This, this, is the, this is the value that's passed on. This is what God's trying to do. And listen, God is the perfect parent. He has only love and kindness for you. He wants to correct you on your journey, but he's never going to be angry or mad at you if you will just simply trust in Jesus. There's a, he's, he's looking for ways to help you figure it out. He's not ever trying to be mean or cruel to you. He, he loves you. Your parents, some of you may still be dealing with stuff that is on the inside of your head that was negative that your parents said to you. That's wounding and hurtful. God never does that. It's not part of his nature, his character. He's always trying to see his love and his mercy and his goodness. And what you want is his voice resonating within your life with his goodness and his mercy and what he has for you and his values and his desires and they all begin to come to you. So I wanna ask you, would you be willing to embrace the idea of an inner voice that is so loving, so good, so kind, a heavenly father who has only the best for you? Would you be willing to realize that his, that father gave you an older brother who laid his life down for you? who laid his life down for you and took your place. Would you believe that the Father has given you a gift? A friend who sticks closer than a brother, that's the Holy Spirit. He's, he's living in you. He's with you. God's with you. 
And he's given us his word, his name, his authority. He's done it all out of love. Could you be open to this kind of resonating in your soul throughout the rest of your life, this inner voice? That is God speaking to you and me. See, God will speak to you with a still, small voice. You can be confident. He will speak to you in a still, small voice just when you need it. Just when you need it. Now, he may also say things about what you should wear. He may, you may be picking out your clothes in your closet, and he just says something to you. Hey, don't wear that shirt. Inappropriate. He may have a reason for it. But that, he's not in your closet every day telling you exactly what shirt to wear. He doesn't need to. Because you're growing up. You're a person who's his child, adopting his values, adopting his life, letting him flow through you to others. You just function this way. And so his still small voice comes over and over again like that. And often it's done when God does speak into your life. Often when he has the inner voice speaks up, it is done to arrest our attention. To arrest your attention. Peter had a way that he thought, this is the way the gospel works. God was trying to open his eyes. He was trying to open his mind, open his heart to others. You and I, we get a myopic view, we get a tunnel vision, and, and God needs to kind of upset the apple cart sometimes, so he'll show up with a big sheet and a bunch of animals on it that says, rise, kill, and eat. And we're like, what, what, what does that mean? And you're like figure, trying to figure out what it means. And so number four is we see clarity out of careful relational obedience. You're not a robot. I'm not a robot. God's not just trying to get you to do his thing. Look at the end of the story. Acts 10, 17 says, Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius, remember that's the first part of the story, had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. And arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So here, this is so incredible. Peter sees a vision, then he sees, hears an audible voice from God, and then he's hearing an inner voice tell him to go downstairs and go with these men. And very often we have an incomplete leading, and, and, and so we're trying to figure it out. There's not a whole lot of information, but Peter sees a vision, hears an audible voice, then an inner voice, and then, and then he, there's something he can do. What can he do? He can go downstairs and see if there's three guys waiting for him. And he goes downstairs, and the three guys are there. Like, I think this is so weird. Like, sometimes God will speak to you, and then you'll, like, hear it, and then you'll, like, go figure it out, and, you, and then suddenly it's true, and you're like, oh, my gosh. God spoke to me. Listen, that should not be such a freak-out moment. The whole point of this series is that don't let that be a freak-out moment. He is speaking. He wants to speak to you. He will speak to you in lots of different ways. And so, and so when he speaks in an inner voice, don't be surprised that it's true. And if it's not, if you can't figure it out, if you're like, oh, this is weird. If Peter would have went downstairs and there's no guys down there, he's like, too much pizza. Or, or he would have said, okay, well, God seems to be speaking something to me. I'm going to just put it on the shelf right here. I'm going to let it sit there for a while. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to me meditate on it. I'm going to think about it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to give James and John a call and see what they think about this. And in fact, that is what happened over time as P 
Peter began to preach to the Gentiles, they had a huge, almost a church split over it. And there was a lot of discussion. But I think we're all trying to figure out what God is doing in our lives and together as a community in our city. And listen, God may have to arrest our attention from time to time. We're kind of coming here, we're, you know, enjoying church in a commercial office building. Mm -hmm. So cool, look at the wood. God, God, it is cool. It's just, it's just, church may not always feel this way. And it's got to be okay for you. When we plant our next community, some of you will have to go. You'll have to go. <laughs> Time for you to go. <laughs> See, it, it, this is like, like we're all, we're, there's something bigger happening here than just our little experience. And you have to see that, that God's inner voice is speaking to you and his, the purpose is greater and the, the, the picture is greater. And, and when, you, when he's speaking to you, he will often do it with a personal touch, relational. It'll be relational to you. And so here's, the, here's a couple last things. Don't ask for voices. Don't ask for voices. Seek God. Don't seek voices, seek him. Look for a relationship with God. Don't just look for voices. When you, when you see the people in the scriptures, they often heard God's voice out of the blue, like it came from nowhere. Like I wish God would just speak to me like I want him to speak to me. But he doesn't. He speaks to me out of things I, I just have no idea and suddenly there it is. He speaks to me with my kids a lot. I'm working with my kids and I'm and there's, oh, God, you're right, That's, you're, you're trying to work with me like I'm working with them. So, don't ask for voices, ask for wisdom. Number two, ask for wisdom. Look at this, James 1, 5, 3, it says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is an un as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. I want the band to come up and we're gonna to come to the Lord's table, but I want you to listen to me. One, one last little thing. When you're asking for wisdom, this scripture says God is ready to give it to you. If you don't know what to do, ask for wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Wisdom is something you need to do with what you know. But I want you to see this. I'm going to read the mess from the Message Bible while the band's getting in place. The Message Bible is the modern-day translation. Check this out. Let's just, just calm your heart here and listen to this. James 1.5 says, if you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> that's a lot of you. It's a lot of us. It's a lot of us. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help and won't be condescended to when you ask for it. Ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought. Check this out. People who worry their prayers are like wind-whipped waves. Don't think you're gonna get anything from the master that way. Admit adrift at sea, keeping all your options open. Look, surrender to him and listen to that inner voice. It's personal, it's relational. When you come to this table this morning, I want you to see that it's personal, it's relational. Jesus himself gave his body 
his body broken for you and I so that we could be healed. Jesus, in a very personal way, suffered and died for our benefit. The, the cup we're about to t receive together, it is the blood of Jesus. It represents the blood of Jesus, symbolic of his forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness for you and for me, all the shame, all the failure. He forgives it. He washes it away. It's very personal. I want you to hear him today as you come to this table, and I want you to see it as provision. It is a place where you can take what he's offering and you can unload, you can give him everything. You can surrender everything and receive his provision. So let's pray together. Father.